Step on up, sit down, twist off that bottle top or crack open that can, and welcome to Porch Matters. This is Terry Cagle coming to you from my back porch. Yes sir, yes ma'am, the name of this show is Authentic. On Porch Matters, our saying is this, big issues or just a friendly conversation, no topic is off limits. We take pride in being able to talk about anything with each other in an open discussion. Open discussion is one of the only ways to learn. Your perspective could be changed. You could change the perspective of others. On this episode, I am joined by Jason and Tiny, and we welcome Tammy Jarmuthy to the porch. She has been doing paranormal investigations for 20 years. We discuss that, and we also talk about what she is currently dealing with right now in her home. You can find her at ScreamQueen36 on Instagram and see her videos on YouTube. There is a link to her YouTube channel shared on the Porch Matters Podcast Facebook page, Facebook group, and on Twitter at Porch Matters Pod. Go check them out and hit that share or retweet button. Without further ado, let's get started. Tammy, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Any better? I couldn't stand it. I have <laughs> literally, since this show started, and even before the show started, Jason can back me up on this. I have had this particular thing circled. I wanted to have you on the other show that I did at one point in time, but Aww. things just didn't work out well. But as soon as I came up with this, you were pretty much one of the very first people that I wanted to interview. Oh my gosh. I'm true story. Honored. I'm not I'm not just blowing smoke. That's a true story. <laughs> He's been talking about it for a while now, yeah. Yeah. That's I really have. awesome. Thank you. So to say I'm happy that you're finally here is an understatement. Let's just jump right into it, Tammy. On your bio, it says that the first time you saw a spirit was at age five. Can you tell us about that? So we were at a place called Mika State Mansion in Hayward, California. It's a historic house, but the grounds are really big, so they used to do like flea markets and stuff there. So I was there with my parents, and I looked up at the window, and I saw this little girl staring down at me. And she had like a lace dress up to her neck and like black braids, and she's just looking out the window. And I go, and I yank my mom's arm, and I'm like, Mommy, look. And then she was gone. And then I saw her another time, probably a couple years after that, because they have like a playground there too. And I saw her then as well, but which was really cool is I got to investigate that location when I was 25, so 20 years later. And it turned out that that was a little girl's bedroom back in like the 1800s. So validation was amazing. <laughs> so I know I wasn't going crazy. Was that your very first spirit that you ever saw? Or did you remember any time earlier having any kind of senses that you seen anything? I think that was the first time I seen one. I experienced a lot of weird things as a child, like my bed shaking and just like really weird things. I would see somebody, like I'd be looking out the window and I'd see somebody standing on the street. I'd turn and look back and they were gone. Like that happened to me quite a bit when I was younger too. But it really wasn't until I was 12 that I realized that I was sensitive to spirits. We were looking at a house to move into. And as soon as we walked in that house, I was like, no, I felt it. It was heavy. And I told my parents, I don't want to live here. And they were like, why? And I'm just like, there's something in this house. And of course, they didn't believe me. And we moved in. And sure enough, a week later, we're having dinner at the dining table. And my bedroom is kind of kitty cornered to that to the dining area. And the stereo turns on by itself. And it starts like changing the CDs. 
and the volume went up really loud. So I ran in there and I turned it off and I came back to the table and I was like, I told you so. And as soon as I got back to the table, the TV in the living room turned on. So that house was like extremely active. They all became believers after that, of course. And it was scary. It was scary at that age to experience the things that I was experiencing. And then I was about 16 when I was like, okay, I can't be scared of this anymore. So I started researching and just trying to understand what was going on so that I wasn't so scared of it anymore. And kind of after that is when I was more intrigued by it. And then in my 20s is when I started investigating and it just became a huge passion of mine. Well, at age 16, according to your bio, it said that you became very interested and started doing EVPs. Now, before I ask this question, I'm going to set it up, okay? My audience is really broad. They are kind of like me. They know a little bit about everything. Mm -hmm. But there might be a few of them out there that are listening to this that do not know what EVP is. Can you be nice enough as to explain what that is and then tell us a little bit about your experience doing it? So it's electronic voice phenomenon. So basically, you take a voice recorder and you ask questions. So basically, you're like sitting there talking to yourself. So you ask a question, you wait a few seconds, see if they answer. Well, you won't know if they answer, but you wait a few seconds. And then you just continue asking questions. I tend to do those in like short bursts because listening back to that for hours is kind of draining, but I'll do like a three minute session and then play back. And a lot of the time you have somebody answering your question or saying something, which is amazing to me because EVPs has been something that I've been able to get for a really long time at 16 I didn't even know what I was listening for. <laughs> so I would like let a recorder run while I was at school and come home and kind of go through it, but not even really know. Right. I didn't know what I was doing really at that point, but well, I started. <laughs> well, at 20, you started actually doing paranormal investigations. What all goes into the process of doing any type of paranormal investigation and how is it working with other people in a team to do those things? So when I first started, I was just kind of like finding meetup groups and going to like historical locations and just like kind of taking it in because I really didn't know too much about investigating at that point. But I actually, I was able to get on a team pretty shortly after that. And I just kind of learned the ropes through whom I was working with. And basically you sit in a haunted location or not so haunted location for hours. Sometimes you get absolutely nothing. Other times, it's just completely active. We have equipment that we use. I'm not really for, I don't know if you've watched the shows on TV, but they have all these like high-tech devices and stuff. Those don't really do much for me because a lot of things in your environment can set those off. Like someone leaves a cell phone on and you get a text message, it can set off the, the K2 or a REM pod or whatever it is that you're using that's like an electric device. So I don't tend to like use things like that myself. I like just doing EVPs, taking photos, doing video in my body because I'm sensitive. I can feel and sense and see what's around me. And working with people can be difficult. The field is kind of a lot of drama. (laughs) So, you know, you you deal with a lot of people who are trying to get TV shows or, or whatnot. So there's a lot of backstabbing and coattail writing and stuff like that. So it can be a challenge, but 
I try my best to stay out of all that part of it and just forge forward and do what I love. According to your bio, you're an empath and you're very sensitive. How is being an empath an advantage or a disadvantage to what you do? An advantage because I can feel the energy around me. A disadvantage because just in general, being an empath, like it's really hard being in big groups of people, crowded areas, um, even at home, like if someone's in a bad mood or stressing over something, like I feel that so strongly, it becomes my own. Going to, and it sounds weird, but going to places like Walmart is really hard for me. Just tons of anxiety because you just, you feel so much all the time. Right. And a lot of people learn to like tone it down and like control that. I myself really haven't learned how to like block it out and like not have it affect me so much. Um, I'm so sensitive in general, just outside of all of that. So it's hard for me. It's very hard for me to live with that. Um, especially like in my situation at home, I have my sister's family that lives here, my mom. So it's like constantly there's so much different energies going on around me that it just kind of drives me crazy. But so it it's a gift and a curse and it's really hard to live with. For those that might be listening right now that don't really know what we're talking about, is there any way that you can describe what an empath is? So an empath, oh God, it's so hard. There's so many different things that can make you an empath. But I, for me, the biggest thing is you feel other people's energies. You feel other people's feelings. And it feels like you have like the weight of the world on your shoulders. That's probably the best way I can describe it. Well, going to your teamwork and everything on your paranormal investigations, how have you been able to do it for as long as you have and be as successful in my eyes, you're pretty successful with it. Do you feel like you're pretty successful? I do. I think that I, I've worked really hard and I've always been kind of a leader myself. So I don't follow the crowd. You know, I, the teams that I've been a part of have been amazing. My team back in California, I mean, the people on my team were like my best friends. So it was easy to work with them. Our energies combined created lots of great activity because I, a lot of it too is who you're working with. Right. You can go on an investigation with somebody who might be a little negative or not so much a believer and get a totally different outcome. If you went with people who your energy really jives with, I think that's really important on an investigation. But you know, for me, like my success is I've always pushed forward and I've always put the work in. You know, you don't get places by like cutting corners and stuff like that. And for me, I've just, I have my mindset on something and I go for it. And that's kind of always the way I've been. How has the transition been from moving from Cali to Texas? It's amazing. I wish I would have done it years ago. <laughs> I remember you, I remember you kept talking about trying to get out of there and I was just like, do it. Do it. Do it. I know. I, I really wish I would have. I mean, I think after I got sick, it was kind of like the prime opportunity to do it, oddly enough. But we're fam- my family is so happy to be here. And it's like a totally different world. <laughs> California sucks. Texas is amazing. And I'm just I'm so happy to be here. Jason, you got any questions for Miss Tammy? Yeah. Something um, was kind of swirling around in my mind as she was talking. The first time I became aware of uh, this 
type of phenomenon. I mean, really aware of it that um, was when I saw the film The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, and and I have seen, as far as I know, you know, unless uh, yeah, I don't count some a lot of the independent films, but if it's a major horror movie or anything like that, I, I've seen most of the ones that people were considered mainstream good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, you know, it's got to have it's got to have kind of a, a high bar for me, and that was absolutely for me personally one of the most frightening movies I've ever seen in my life. And, and I mean, it was terrifying. And I was like, oh, my God. So what I'm curious about is what was your reaction the first time you saw it? How did it uh, compare to anything that you have experienced? And do you feel like the film was somewhat accurate or maybe um, gave a little too much leeway to, uh, to fiction and in Hollywood? Just, I'd, I'd like to know your feelings on that movie. I think it was pretty right on, to be honest with you. I mean, the kid, and he was so young, too, you know, so experiencing what he was experiencing must have been very confusing for him, and it kind of shows that. And just seeing, how can I put this into words? I, I know I can, like, I, hmm, sorry, I'm trying to put this into words here. Um, I think it's pretty right on. You know, you, you see these spirits and a lot of the time, like for me, like I could see something like I'll be driving down the street and I'll see someone crossing the street and I'll slam on the brakes because I think it's a person and then it ends up being a spirit, you know? So being able to kind of tell sometimes like, is this real or is it a spirit? And I, and I feel like he kind of felt that way through the movie too. But I think that movie was pretty close to what people who can see the dead experience. You know, a lot of the time, you know, sometimes they come to you in a different way, not in a physical form. Like for him, it was always like a physical form, but sometimes you can just sense the energy or hear what they're saying. But from other people that I speak to as well, who have the gift, it's very, very similar to what that movie put on, which is good too, because a lot of Holly movies tend to really over-exaggerate the paranormal. And I think that movie is pretty right on, in my opinion. Tony, I can see you're chomping at the bit. Go for it, my friend. Okay, so I'm also a paranormal investigator, and I'm also an empath. We'll start with that. So I know exactly where you're coming from on empathic. I maybe would have leaned a little more toward paranormal activity, just the first paranormal activity, being a bit more on the accurate side as far as I'm concerned. You know, I've been to Waverly Hills. I've actually been down into the tunnels and it's, yeah, you know, paranormal activity might be a little closer for me. But the one thing that I was uh, kind of wondering about when you're empathic, when you start to feel what's going on inside of a place that you may be investigating, do you, is it just a feeling from the spirits that are there or are you starting to get a feeling from the entire history? For me, it's more the spirits that are there. I'm not like, I can't like touch building or something and like kind of see the past or the history of it. I know there's a lot of people out there that have that ability, but for me, it's more so the spirits. Like they're kind of all rushing to to communicate with me. I've been called like a human REM pod. Like I'm just kind of like a bright light and they just draw, they're drawn to me basically. Yeah, I could, I could get that. Uh, Another one I wondered about, what about the spirit box? Have you tried it? I, when you were telling your story about one of your earliest encounters, you were talking about the radio just constantly changing stations. 
the spirit mm-hmm. box really already does the same thing. Have you, have you tried to use one of those? Yes. I like the SB seven. Um, I've had a lot of really good evidence come through on that. My dad passed in 2012 and I've always complained like he hasn't come to me. He hasn't come to me really, but I won on um, my birthday. I think it was the year after I turned it on with my boyfriend and I was like, let's just see, you know, and my dad, his voice came through and you know, it, that is one piece of equipment that I do really like. And I should have mentioned that earlier because I have got a lot of really great responses that really did go with the situation and the location that we were in. So, yeah, I think that's a good piece of equipment to use for sure. Okay. So Terry, a spirit box, in case you want to know, is a radio frequency sort of staggering system. It'll run through all of the FM stations in super fast order with only like a millisecond between them. And it just keeps doing it and doing it and doing it until it stops on any signal. And it'll pick it up, it'll say words, it'll play music, it'll do whatever from that FM signal. It's really, really cool. Uh, I've used several different kinds. The SP7 I've used. I've used uh, one of the ones that was made by the guys who did Ghost Avengers. It didn't mm-hmm. work all that great because, you know, <laughs> Ghost there's Avengers. a lot of them that were good and there's some <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that one was one i do not recommend but yeah it's that's just what it is it just plays radio frequencies rapid fire yeah and that's kind of hard to fake you know what i mean like like i was saying like a k2 i could forget to turn my phone on airplane and yeah, any, i get a text anything can send that thing off. off yeah so i mean that like anything that you have voice coming through i think is a really good thing not so much like phone apps those aren't my favorite thing to use. A lot of people right. use them. Um, there's a lot of people out there making these apps, but I think the only one that like really worked for me was the Echo Vox because we did get really interesting things coming through and we had things happen on that, that, that app's not set up to even do. So um, if I were to use anything like that, that would probably be the only one. You can't tell me and him has been friends for six years. Can you think, Danny? <laughs> He already knew. He already knew where I was fixing to go with that. <laughs> it's almost like we got ESP or something. <laughs> Maybe ESPN too. HD or are we in ultra? Yeah, we just HD. It's all right. Okay, well, I'll take it. Do you just consider paranormal as far as what you're doing? Is it all under one umbrella, or do you do specific types of paranormal thing? You know, I've got out there and did like the Bigfoot thing. Um, I'm not really a fan. I, I'm not too sure if I even believe. I haven't done too much like with the whole like alien thing, but I do know that they do exist. I've talked to many people that have like, really cool experiences. But for me, I think I really stick with just the spiritual side of the paranormal. Yeah, I've dealt with anything from like a residual haunting to demonic hauntings. I feel more comfortable in the darker cases for some reason. Not too sure why that is, but I really just stick to the spiritual end of it. And I think because of what I went through as a child, my biggest reason for getting involved in the paranormal were to help people who are going through the same thing. And because I know how fearful it could be. So I've always wanted to just get out there and help people. So they're not so afraid of it and get them the proper help that they need. Well, you brought up two different types right there. Is there any way that you can describe or explain any or both of those two types for the audience? So like a residual haunting would just be like leftover energy. Um, Maybe it's something that just kind of repeats itself over and over again. Maybe the way somebody died or, or something like that. 
you know, intelligent hauntings is a human spirit who was once human and alive. There's poltergeist who people will kind of, you get two different things on what people say poltergeist activity is, but a lot of the time it's a living person's energy could be like a woman going through menopause or just someone going through something that's creating this energy that creates things to move. Um, an adolescent child going through puberty. heavy energy from a person. Yeah. But I experience, so I don't, I'm, I'm sure you've seen my videos, a lot of poltergeist activity in my home and it's always while we're sleeping <laughs> most of the time. So it's hard to tell like what's causing that. I know I have a lot of energy and there, a lot of people in the field think that it is me that caused these things to move. I haven't dug into that <laughs> yet. I'm kind of scared to, because if it is, that's kind of scary to me, but things have moved around me a lot, most of my life. So I do know that I have an attachment. I don't know what it is. We're really digging into that. I have some people in the field working with me on that to see what's going on because my California house and this house have just been insane. And it's scary here because my my sister and her daughter live here and it frightens them. My sister was attacked a couple weeks ago. So trying to really figure out what it is and get rid of it at this point is kind of my goal. Then the demonic stuff is, is kind of scary. I've, I've had a few of those cases and they're, they're scary to work with, but I, for some reason I feel comfortable working in those situations. If that makes any sense. It does. I grew up Christian. And I grew mm -hmm. up Pentecostal, and I've been around what they consider demonic possession a good mm -hmm. bit in my life. My dad, I don't know if you remember the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose, but if you remember in the climactic part where it was talking back, saying, I am I am Legion, I was with, yeah, I was sitting in the movie theater and heard that, and it was almost quoted verbatim as to something that my dad had told me about years ago, even before the movie came out. And that's one of the movies that really sticks with me when it comes to like the paranormal, that movie in the right, actually uh, the priest that the right was based off of lived nearby me in California. And in an interview with him, he said the movie is very, very close to what it's like in real life. And I've been face to face with two people that were possessed and it's terrifying and it's real. And a lot of people don't think it's real. A lot of people don't believe in demons because people tend to confuse it with religion. Demons were around well before Christianity and people yes. don't realize that. And so, you know, today in today's world, a lot of people aren't religious. So they don't want to believe that there's evil out there. Right. <laughs> And it's like, turn on your television because <laughs> it's there, you know, and it's, it's in right front of, in front of It's our in face. front of you every day. Anytime every you turn single on the day. TV, anytime you turn on Facebook or anything like that, you get yeah. hit right in the face with it every day. It is. And, and I think what happens a lot too, is a lot of people want to combine the paranormal with science. And I personally, I don't feel science belongs in the paranormal world because there's just so much to it that in science everybody wants to put a label on something or you know like when it comes to like the medical field and you have someone that's schizophrenic well schizophrenia and demonic possession are very very similar so you can have someone that's legit possessed but they're going to be labeled schizophrenic because 
well, there's no other word for it, right? There's no other explanation for it. It has to be mental illness, which mental illness, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, all of that stuff could actually bring something dark into you. And people just, I guess, just don't realize that. So that's kind of frustrating for me in the field because there are quite a bit of people in the paranormal field that just don't believe in demons. And I've always been a strong believer in that. So there's always been conflict there, which makes it kind of hard because I'm such a strong believer in that people tend to think that I'm negative for believing in something darker, um, which it has nothing to do with being negative. It's just acknowledging that there's something much deeper that could be going on than just your uncle Tom who passed away coming to visit you. So there's a lot of complex things in the paranormal. So there's basically a, a lot of skeptics or, and or non-believers in the field, and they're having to feel like they rely on scientific data to be able yeah. to believe or not believe. Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> well, but. playing a little bit of a devil's advocate because I'm on the outside looking in. I've never mm-hmm. done an investigation, but I've always been fascinated by it. How can you prove what you're seeing, what you're feeling, everything is factual without any type of, for lack of a better term, scientific data. Well, that's just it. It, It's like, I think that's why we're doing it and why we do what we do is to find that proof. I mean, I could give you all the evidence in the world. Right. And I mean, I I literally have a video of a spirit walking in my kitchen Mm -hmm. and somebody will tell me that's fake. That's not a ghost. When you see it appear and disappear right in front of your face. And I've always said that, like, you can put a video out there with a ghost walking by and there's always going to be somebody that says it's not real, you know? So we're still trying to figure out how to prove it. I mean, we can get any evidence that we want, but you give it to a scientist and they're going to pick it apart and say, right, oh, it's fake or they're just string or, you know, something like that. So it's hard to prove it. You know, I mean, I know in, in my heart and, that what I've experienced has been real. Right. Um, but proving it to you, how do I do that? I've seen your videos and I know you. And yeah. I I know you well enough to know that you're completely authentic. If, right. If I didn't think you were authentic, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You're right. you're one of you're one of the very few people in this line in this field that I will listen to what you're saying and believe it 100% to be factual. I Go, appreciate that. Very welcome. Going back to your videos, because I have seen them, you've got something going on in your house that looks like it's straight up from paranormal activity. Yeah, it's creepy. Like, it doesn't really scare me. Seeing some of them is like, whoa. Like, seeing it, like, it literally appear right there and, like, disappear, that's a little nerve-wracking. But then again, I see the shadow figures every day. But seeing it move like a dining room chair, that's like super heavy. I'm just like, holy crap, like this thing is very strong, whatever it is that we're dealing with. Um, I've also watched your videos and I've been kind of picking them apart a little bit because I'm one of those people. I almost could narrow it down to four different things. And I really only see one of them as something that would be bad. The other three, mostly mundane. one One of those three, just playful. Mm-hmm. And it's what it looks like when I've looked at those videos because I've watched every one of them. Gary sent them to me. <laughs> Expound, Tiny. So one looks like a fae. Couldn't tell you which kind, but I know it's playful. Mm-hmm. The two of them are definitely spirits. 
not overly dangerous, just annoying. One, definitely a poltergeist and not a nice one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's multiple things in this house. It was crazy because when my friend brought me here from the airport, we walk in the house and literally we look up and we both see the shadow figure. And I'm like, awesome. It followed us. So, I mean, it was like from the day I moved in, they think weird things were happening. So I knew that what came with me from what was in California and basically what's been with me most of my life has come here with me as well. That's probably the darker or not so nice thing that you're sensing. We do sense another man, a woman and a child here. Um, Not necessarily that came with me, but maybe something with the house. I'm not too sure of the land. So there are multiple things here. Okay. You say you sense a child. You pick that up with your, with your empathy. So for me, honestly, I don't so much believe in children's spirits. I will be honest with that. But the only reason I say that is like, there's, there's reasoning behind my saying it. The only reason I say that is because sometimes when you feel like it could be a child, it's probably a fae. So (laughs) that's just it. Like I, I'm not a huge believer in children's spirits. I don't feel like there's a whole lot that keep children back when they die. My partner who investigates with me feels it's a child. Other people that have like watched some of my stuff and picked up on a child. So I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's hard to know, you know, because I then I go back to when I was a child and I saw a child spirit, but that could have been like a residual energy that I was seeing and not so much, you know, an intelligent spirit. So it's hard. <laughs> I do know for sure that like the spirit that's been always been with me is in this house because it's doing the same things that it's always done. But the other night, my sister was in her room and she was trying to go to bed, but she kept seeing the shadow figure going in and out of the bedroom. And it was making a bunch of noise in the room. And she's just like, just leave me alone. And she starts praying. Well, as soon as she starts praying, it slammed on the bed really hard. And then it held her down. So she did, she's screaming. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And I, I text her and I'm like, was that you? And she's like, yeah, it just attacked me. And so that, that was kind of my breaking point because I've been attacked by it numerous times in California. And when it's me, it's one thing, but when it's my family, then it becomes something else. So we just actually had the house blessed yesterday by a priest. We're Catholic. So I was like, I'll just give that a shot knowing that it could possibly make things worse, but if it makes them feel better, then I'm going to try. If it does make things worse, please let Terry know. Okay. So he can let me know. I have plenty of friends in Texas who are um, the opposite spectrum of Catholic. Okay. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, you know, and, and at this point, anything. I mean, it was weird because we actually got a video when it left, after the priest left, something flying by the camera. And then as he's walking out the door and I shut the door, you hear, get out, in a very not-so-nice voice. So... I don't know what's going to happen at this point. Last night was pretty quiet. <laughs> I'm hoping it stays that way, but it could be nerve wracking just because my family's scared and I don't like that. I like it only because like I've captured some <laughs> phenomenal evidence and that's probably the biggest reason why I haven't like got rid of it yet. It's hard to when you're getting stuff that you've never seen happen before. So, but I know that the safety of my family is much more important than, than any of that. So. Well, considering the attachment, as you call it, and mm-hmm. these other events and 
possible poltergeist, would you warn anyone that is considering doing paranormal investigations and basically use this as a cautionary tale because of the possibility of attachments and bringing something home with you? And I mean, because a lot of people take this on a lark. It's like, okay, let's go do an investigation. Oh, it'll be fun. Let's go to the cemetery where they said the old demon was with the red eyes and all that stuff. And so they do. So what do you, what would you tell anyone that was considering undertaking that uh, as far as the risk and how to minimize those risks? For me, like my best advice would be to protect yourself from whichever way you do that. Like for me, being that I'm Catholic, I always say to St. Michael and I have my faith in God and all of that stuff, but always protect yourself, whether that be wearing certain crystals or whatever your beliefs are. Don't ever go by yourself. That's the stupidest thing you can do. And not just because of spirits, but other dangers involved in that. And I would, I would try to learn from somebody experienced before jumping in, because I have seen a lot of people watch the shows and think I'm going to become Zach Baggins and go do investigations and not even know what they're doing. You know, use certain tools that could potentially open up something darker like the Ouija board. There's a huge stigma behind the board. I've used it a lot, but I know how to use it. I know what to look for. I know when something's trying to escape the board, whatnot. So I haven't had any bad issues with the board, but if somebody didn't know those things and use the board, something bad could potentially happen. I mean, anything, any tool that we use in the paranormal has that risk, but just really research and, and learn before jumping into it. Cause I've seen people who have zero experience go in and try to take a residential case and make things 10 times worse for the family. So like for me, like what I did is I, I researched for years. I, joined teams and I kind of just sat back and watched and learned before just diving in head first. That's best advice I can give. Well, let me ask you my second question that are my third, actually third question of the show tonight. I have my own theories and several people do as to what these entities are, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and as far as what type of energy and, and, and where they're coming from and what, why, when, where, how then, and I'm talking about, of course, the residual hauntings, the actual, I'm not sure, I can't remember what you called it, but where it's an actual active spirit. Intelligent. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the demonic. Mm-hmm. I would really be inter- interested to know what you think they are. I mean, and I'm not, I'm, 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 that probably sounds like a redundant question. Well, they're spirits, dummy. Well, you know, I lean more toward, I understand that. I know there's some things we can't explain. I just know there is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, to try to understand, and, and, and it, if we can't grasp it, just some kind of a working theory, what makes sense that they could actually be? Because I, I, I'm one of these people, I just don't, I don't believe that things come from nothing. I don't. Right. That they right. come from nothing. They come from something. They come from somewhere. It's another dimension. It's something that's with you, know, like you said, some type of the frequency or energy. You know, it is it, there's some type of power there, right? So, um, I'll, I'll give it to you. So, I've played with that actually a lot over the years. I, I have gone back and forth with is it all demons? Is it all demonic? Are we being fooled by these spirits and then drawing us in thinking that it's someone that we love passed away or a child or whatnot? Like, I've played with that a lot. 
because I, I, I want to understand why I'm so drawn to those types of cases and situations. And then we have to think that we're made up of energy. So of course, we're going to leave some type of imprint, some type of energy behind, which makes sense to the residual hauntings. And then, you know, they, people are like, well, why do spirits stay behind? Why, you know, why would, why would my dad be here still, you know? And so sometimes, okay, so is it just somebody that has unresolved issues or something that they want to resolve before they cross over? You know, it's always been an ongoing question. And I don't really know, to be honest with you, you know, I do think that energy has a lot to do with it. And then I always play back to the demonic end of things. And I don't want to believe that everything that comes through is something dark because like, for instance, my dad has come to visit my mom. So how do you explain that? It's a great question. And, and, and I think that's why as paranormal investigators, we do what we do is to find the answer to that. Have you ever thought of it from the aspect of them being interdimensional? In, in other words, you know, heaven is in a different dimension. Hell is another dimension. You know, there, there are different, different dimensions um, out there. Some of them are, are right in front of us and we can't even see them. Uh, mm-hmm. have, you, have you looked at it from that standpoint? I have had discussions with other people who believe that's what it is. And, and that could very well be it or a part of it. I think there's a lot more to it than just black and white. And I think that there are different types of entities. I mean, there's people who believe in like elementals, fairies and, and yes. stuff like that. I haven't dug too much into that uh, myself, but there's just so many different aspects and so many different things to really pinpoint what it is. It could be all of it. You know what I mean? It's really hard to say. It's hard to understand it sometimes. And as somebody who's been doing this for 20 years, I don't even know how to really answer that. I think the longer that you go, you're probably going to end up with more questions than you've got answers. That's true. You know, and, and that's when, like, when we do EVPs, because a lot of people will be like, what's your name? How old are you? You know, when did you die? Do you know that you're dead? And, you know, it's all, like, really the same type of questions. But I like to be like, okay, well, where you are, is there a sense of time? You know, is there, you know, you, I try to, like, kind of go out of the box. Okay, is this an intelligent spirit? Okay, what was your favorite food? How do you like your eggs? You know, asking different questions to kind of get an idea of what type of thing you're talking to. Like I've asked, how do you like your eggs? And I've gotten scrambled, you know, <laughs> like I've gotten like really cool answers to different questions to make me think, okay, this probably is a human spirit that I'm talking to. Cause I don't think a demon's going to say, Hey, I like my eggs scrambled. You know, that just doesn't, no. doesn't work. And it might sound crazy, but I feel like aliens do have some t- sort of tie to the darker things like demonic type things i feel like there's something there that's very similar and that's something i want to dig a little bit more into as well go ahead tiny yeah yeah that's this gonna be one of our conversations when we start talking about ancient aliens is uh, <laughs> a possibility of alien energies being demonic entities that's gonna be interesting yeah i mean i've i've especially after i saw the movie the fourth kind i was like it looks like she's being possessed by a demon. That was a very powerful film. It was. It really was. I got to watch that again, actually. But it was well, a good movie. And a lot of people who have had alien encounters um, and what some people would recall, you know, you may, I don't know if they're considered elemental, the Sasquatch, Dogman, even Paranormal, they are 
for some reason, they all report the smell of sulfur. There's the smell of sulfur when it's something that's dark. Right. Oh, yeah. I've experienced yeah. that many a times. I've worked cases. I've been in cemeteries. Cemeteries, a lot of the time, I, I do smell that. There's actually a reason behind that why you would smell sulfur more in cemeteries. The older the cemetery, the more likely it is that they use saltpeter on one of old graves. Uh, mm. They used to do that, especially in the 18 and early, early 1900s, like all the way up mm. to about 1903. They would actually saltpeter the graves, and saltpeter smells identical to sulfur. So you that could very sense, well then. pick up on that. Yeah, and a lot of the cemeteries I go to are like from the 1800s. So that makes a lot of sense, actually. Well, damn it, it wasn't a demon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you well, just hey, ruined that for me. Been, like you said, it could have been both. Yeah, I mean, there's just so, there's so much unanswered. And, and like Terry said, the deeper you get into it, the more it's like, you feel like you don't, you're not any closer to the answers that you want. And I, and I feel like there's just some answers we'll never get because we're not supposed to know. Um, right. Right. And for me, like I fear death so much that being in the paranormal helps me with that because then I do feel like, okay, there's something after especially after like losing my dad and stuff. Like it kind of helped me with that. But yeah, there's so many aspects, so many questions and I don't think I have enough time to get them all, but hopefully, hopefully I'll get closer to them at one point or another. You just brought up something interesting. Why, why do you fear death so much? If you don't mind me asking. I've had health problems since my early twenties. So it was always kind of something that I could die you know, or, 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 and then losing my dad when I did and all of that, like, so then I, I have a lot of health anxiety and I always feel like, okay, I have so much more I need to do in this life. So I think that's probably my biggest reason. It's just the health issues that I've had. Yeah, I actually lost my dad the same year you lost yours. And during that, he was sick between 2008 up until the time he passed away. I actually had to go and talk to a counselor about it. I tried to confide in friends. I'm one of those types that just keeps everything bottled up. Yeah. Uh, I mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever. If I'm going through anything, I just drop my head, just keep pushing through. Whenever it gets to the point where I don't hurt or if I'm not feeling it anymore, I automatically just think I'm over it. At that yeah. point in time, I couldn't. And the counselor to her credit, told me absolutely everything that I have told other people whenever they would ask me for advice. But the one thing that she did tell me that it stuck with me and actually resonated with me, she was describing to me how I was mourning his loss, even though he wasn't dead. It was while he was sick. I could literally sit there every day it was just like watching a lion that had roamed the prairie in Africa and everything else, but just got locked up in a cage in a zoo. And every day you could see the life leave their eyes. Right. That's what yeah. I was mourning. I was mourning the loss of what I viewed my father to be. And you know, that's hard. I, I, I mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I see. I couldn't imagine that because like for me, my dad died unexpectedly, you know? So it, it just kind of, he had a surgery. He got a blood clot from a surgery. So he shouldn't have died, yeah. but he did. And, and, and I've always like asked myself what, what, what would be easier, you know, like it coming on quickly or it, it coming on slowly. And it's just like, there's really no answer to that, but either way, it's, 
terrible and it's a really hard thing to go through especially at a younger age you know i i hadn't been married yet i hadn't had children yet i haven't i didn't have my dad there for any of those things and that's hard that's really hard and it sticks with you you know and especially being like a sensitive person it's not easy i i was pretty messed up for a long time and my one of my friends was like well you know it's time to kind of move on it's like who are you to tell me that it's it's time to move on from this you know it's like so yeah i i think that's probably one of the biggest things and like right now with my mom had having surgery you know so i'm kind of a mess right now because that's how my dad died whenever whenever i've seen some of your facebook posts and everything else it's kind of like i was looking in the mirror because you know yeah i was mourning my dad and everything else and then dad's his was sudden, but at the same time, we've seen it coming too. It was kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. He he had um, he had to have spine blocks put in his back because he was a truck driver for a long time, and truck drivers develop bulging discs and back mm-hmm. problems and neck problems and everything. He got a spine block, and then after that, he started going numb. Uh, he developed what they call transverse myelitis, and it was from about right here down. And that's what I'm saying. You could just slowly start seeing the life leave his leave his eyes, even though he was still one of the most encouraging people that you had ever talked to. Right. It was a little. Anytime anybody would call him, it would just it just be himself again for just a little while, you know, because he'd constantly be building people up or encouraging people or whatever. Got numerous numerous that reports was, off of that. But that was the same. My dad was the same way. Just yeah, I'm awful man, and yeah, so it's hard. Yeah, my dad ended up developing pancreatic cancer, and we didn't even know it until about two hours before we had to pull the plug. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it, it is what it is. But you know, any time that I go through some things, I'm just there. Even to this day, there's instances where I've been wanting to, hey, let me call dad, and then I'll remember that he's gone. But at the same time, anytime I want to see him, all I got to do is look in the mirror. You know, I, I don't, I hear his voice in my head every day. So, and then I, that's part of what, probably part of the reason why I'm doing the profession that I'm doing, because that's what he did. Oh, so, that's special. That's amazing. So some days I'm, I feel more of a connection than others. So, right. but just to backtrack a little bit about the whole conversation, it was brought up about the different types of paranormals, for lack of better words. And you mentioned Faye. Describe to the audience who doesn't do not know what you're talking about, what Faye is. Let's have your friend describe that one. Exactly. <laughs> Let's hear it, Tiny. So Faye are typically any sort of spirit that is not necessarily human. They are specifically from what would be considered a spirit realm. Uh, most fae you've probably heard of, sprites, leprechauns, will of the wisp, all of these things are considered fae. And they have some that are playful. Bogarts or Boggarts are, are, are one of them. You may think about Harry Potter, but that's also based on Welsh mythology. Mm-hmm. Those things are they're, they're real. People just don't realize that they're real. Right. And, you know, people have known about them for a long, long time. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what it aye, is. Top of the morning to you there, laddie. <laughs> if you're going to do the Irish accent, please, for, for the love of Christ, do it right. If you're going to do it right. 
<laughs> my God, man, what's the matter with you? No, uh, <laughs> don't mess with me. You know I do this for a living. By the way, <laughs> by the way, Tammy, if you ever need any voiceover work, that's actually what you do for a living. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of that comes from Ireland, but it also comes from Norway, some from the Norwegian uh, religions, mm-hmm. the Norse mythologies. They also have fae. Uh, the dwarves would be considered fae. Elves would be considered fae. Elves are not what people think, and dwarves are not what people think. Technically, giants would be considered fae. Anything that's not human and not directly from this world would be fae. And that's what I kind of go was how I would describe like an elemental. It would be basically no. the same type of thing, yeah. So that's your basic explanation of fae. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Tammy? Mm-hmm. Going back to your videos and everything, I noticed that you're putting together a little bit of a documentary. Would you like to tell the folks a little bit about it? Yeah, I'm trying to. I want to document this to tell my story because I feel like it's really important for people to know how real this stuff is and show different aspects of it. So I'm trying to get that going. Financially, it's hard because there's a lot that goes into it. So right now, I'm just kind of trying to put together all the evidence that I have pieces of, of investigations that we've done here. I'm getting together interviews because I'm still friends with most of my childhood friends. So since I was a kid, all my friends experienced the paranormal stuff in my homes. So I'm trying to get interviews like that together. So just kind of piecing it together right now and hopefully be able to put together a product at the end of it all. Oh, I have seen your trailer that you've got on your YouTube channel, and it will be on the Facebook page and on the Facebook group and all of my social media whenever this airs. So, so everybody will be able to see it. It looks, it looks really good. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've always had fun putting like video and stuff together. So hopefully we can get everything just put together and without having to have a huge budget (laughs) involved and, and get it taken care of, but it'll take time. I did have a priest come in yesterday, but I, w- I would really love to have one come in and be able to film it. So, you know, there's just, there's bits and pieces that I need to get together. You know, I want to interview some demonologists and other people to get different aspects on what people think is going on. I feel it's darker, but then I have people who don't think that that's what it is. So it's good to get input from experts in those types of situations so it's all being kind of put together i I hope for it to be out maybe in in the next year or so because a lot of it too which we haven't talked too much about but my gifts are bloodline um all the females on my mom's side of the family have them so i'm digging deeper into that as well i had a third cousin reach out to me who is a journalist and she's doing a project on this too because of the fact that all the women in our family have this gift, um, some more than others, but everyone to a degree. So I'm kind of working on that in the background and going to put that into the documentary as well. So it takes a lot of research for that. Right. But there's so many aspects, but hopefully I'll get it all together. Well, hopefully. If I can find one of my copies of the demonology handbooks from the 1600s, I'll try to send it to you. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing because I mean, there's, I had woken up 
a couple of years ago. Um, I a copy of Magnus Arendus around here somewhere. It's actually the <laughs> biblical demonology of the one that was written in 1638. I had a, a photocopy of it somewhere. I got to find it. And if I can find it, I'll, I'll copy it out and send it to you. That would be amazing. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've experienced, I've been attacked by whatever this is numerous times. I've been choked. I've been scratched. I've been pushed. I've been slapped. I mean, held down in my bed. I mean, you name it, it's happened. So. Scratch and getting, held down. Hmm? Scratched and held down. I've been held down. I've been scratched. I, I was like sitting watching TV and my, my legs started burning really bad and I pulled my pant leg up and the scratch was probably a good eight inches long. And Same entity. Yeah, yeah. I, I I have a handprint around that's around my neck. I can send it to Terry. He can show you. Like I've had some crazy things happen from whatever this entity is. Um, I want to see the handprint. You may have something yeah. different. And it almost looks alien. Yes, I want to see. I want to see the handprint. Uh, you may have something different, but the priest may not be able to do anything for it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I will. Um. I'll send that over. Found so on that tiny. Yeah. Okay, so demons have been around a lot longer than Christianity has been a thing. Priests have only existed since about the 12th century. The Pope since the 3rd century. Yeah, you may have a demon that a Catholic priest can't do anything about. Uh, their power doesn't go back that far, nor near it. I've got mm -hmm. a few friends that live in Texas that would be, uh, one would be a moil who also does exorcisms that goes back a little further. And then I have another one that lives in North Houston who, well, she's the, she's the reason I have a copy of the model Bharata. So her religion is quite a bit older. Right. <laughs> so you may have something a little different than your typical Christian demon. Yeah, you may have to go a bit further back for that. Yeah. I mean, and that, and I was hesitant because I know that, bringing a priest into that type of situation could just make things much worse. Yeah. Um, could have exacerbated it. Cause they can get kind of mad about that. Right. And it was weird because when he was doing his thing and he was speaking in Latin, I'm standing there and I'm getting a lot Eric of anxiety. Abby? I was feeling very angry. It was a very interesting experience. I, I didn't like how I felt. Um, priest insulted it. How was that? The priest insulted it. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, Aladdin's not old enough. That's not going to do it for you. Yeah. You're going to need a rune caster for that. Oh, we'll have to talk some more because we need to figure this out yep. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You're going to need a rune caster for that. Well, I am really, uh, hoping everything goes well for you. Thank and you. Oh, she'll be fine. You give, you give her my information. She'll be fine. I'm going to take care. That would be awesome. Tiny is one of my best friends and I also call him the king of useless knowledge. He's got a photographic <laughs> memory. So anything he ever sees or reads, he just, it, it stays with him. It's there. That's why that's I like good, though. That's why I like oh, No, it is not. Don't ever. No, nope. no, it is not. I it have so much fantastic. useless crap. <laughs> it is fantastic. You read an article one time about some stupid <laughs> fact about some stupid animal that doesn't even exist anymore. And it's there forever. No, it's not good. <laughs> See, I, I love it because it, I don't have to do near as much research. All I've got to do is ask Tiny. I'm just, I'm, just like, Tiny, this. I'm just like Tiny. What is this? Oh, he'll just ride. He'll just ride along. It's great. Love it. That's awesome. Jason, you got anything else to add? I'm good. Tammy, we appreciate you coming on the show. Anything? Thank you, you for having me. Anything you want to plug before you leave? Um, I'm doing an event in um, 
Ballinger, Texas, February 27th at the um, Old Day Park Hotel. So I, I, have, I have info on my page that you can probably share for the tickets, which will be really cool. And Stormy Daniels will be there. I know a lot of you know who that is. So you guys might want to come out. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> All right. Just to prove that I am a man of my word, and you, I had to get you to pronounce your last name, and I told you that I would remember it, Jarmuthy. Oh, my gosh, yes. Nobody gets that right, though, so, you know. But thank you. <laughs> Was I close, even with my southern accent? You got it right, 100%. Beautiful. I love yes. it. Thank you, you for coming on. Thank you for having me. No, I didn't. I Don't had you hurt. lie. Don't I you had, lie. I would not lie. I am not going to lie on my show, Tiny. You want to know, <laughs> know who helped me? She helped me. Because I got her to pronounce it for me, so I wouldn't mess it up. And I told her that I would not mess it up on air. And you know, if you Google it and you have them play how it, it, it they don't even say it right. That's so. why I wanted my answer straight from the source. <laughs> thank, thank you, you guys for, for having me. Thank you for coming on the porch. You've got an open invitation and I want you back. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, ma'am. Bye, guys. That's all the time we have for this episode. Please like the page and join the group on Facebook at Porch Matters Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or the platform of your choice so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcast, please rate the show and leave us a review if you have the time. Thank you very much for listening, and catch us next time right here on Porch Matters.